Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Why did Alan Askers, who was hoping to be a GSLP candidate at the general election, why did he quit not just his application, but also the party executive? He joined us with the details. Nick Galamado spoke to us after GBC exclusively revealed that Together Gibraltar will not contest the general election. We also heard from Jaiza Sheriff, Daniel Romero and Vicky O'Neill on World Patient Safety Day and how the health authority will be in town by the piazza on Wednesday and wants to hear from you if you've used the hospital recently. And a programme on GBC television tonight celebrating 40 years of cancer relief, helping cancer patients and their families. We spoke to the producer of that programme, Colin Pons. But first, our top story today. A GBC election poll shows that 31% of people don't know who they'll vote for at the general election, suggesting that it's all to play for in the coming weeks. The GSD does have a slight lead, securing just under 24% of the votes. The GSLP Liberals came in two points behind at almost 22%. However, on an individual level, Fabian Picardo has emerged as a clear favourite for Chief Minister, securing more than twice as many votes as Keith Asopardi, who was in second place. I spoke to the GBC Chief Executive, James Niche, who commissioned the poll. Really comprehensive election poll. More than 1,100 people were surveyed. In fact, 1,109 to be precise. And one of the things we always wanted to do is we wanted to at least try and reach the 1,000 mark. Uh, To give the people, I suppose, as much a realistic picture of uh, where the political landscape sits right now. Of course, a week is a long time in politics. The last 24 hours have been frantic. Candidate, it has to be said, this poll was conducted and carried out over last week when people would not have known uh, the names of the exact candidates, but there's still a lot that we can sort of read into the poll. I suppose the main takeaways, well, we're already reporting that slight narrow lead uh, for the GSD on just under 24% and the GSLP Liberals on 22% practically neck and neck and I think it'll be interesting to see because we have more details on age demographic on districts and we can go into that in a minute or two okay so so a very narrow lead for the GSD over the GSLP liberals a large number of people who are saying they are undecided a not insignificant number who are saying that they are going to split their vote and also a not insignificant number who are saying that they are going to blank vote as a as a protest. So you, you take all of that together and there is a considerable element of um, perhaps protest voting within this um, uh, pre-election poll. Uh, people signifying that they weren't particularly happy with what was on offer. And I think um, po- political parties, candidates activists, the general public, and we've said this before with statistics, when we did the GBC survey, for example, you always try and look for perhaps what's positive for you. And there is, one of the interesting things from this survey is I think there's almost something for everybody. There really is. And there is something for at least the parties to say, we'll latch onto that or we'll latch onto that. I think when you look at it globally, perhaps, and you wake up this morning and you are a GSD supporter, 
and you look at the main headline and you say, oh, we're leading. But then you think, hold on, but our leader isn't. And then vice versa. If you're a GSLP supporter, you wake up this morning and you think, nobody wants another party to be in the lead in any poll, as much as politicians will say the poll on the night is the one that counts. Everybody would want to be in the lead, I suppose. But then... Their leader, the GSLP Liberal leader, Fabian Picardo, remains the people's choice by a huge margin, more than doubles uh, the percentage that went to Keith Azopardi. That's interesting reading. The big interesting reading here is that huge 31% of don't know. Because when you look at such a tight margin of 2%, it's the don't knows who have, who hold that power of balance. Also, interestingly, we are reporting. I don't know, Jonathan, we've had the Together Gibraltar uh, confirmation. We have, yeah. We, we have Together just, Gibraltar. Just in recent minutes. Yeah, I think we broke it around 10 this morning that uh, GBC understood that Together Gibraltar will not contest the election. There is about 3% of the vote in this poll which will now necessarily potentially go to either the GSLP Liberals or the GSD. It could go to a blank vote or a no vote. But there is another 3% to play for. And when we're looking at between 2 and 3% leads, it's all to play for. It's neck and neck. So that decision by Together Gibraltar came before our election poll, or, or you knew about it before the election poll um, had become public. So their decision has not been influenced by this yes. election poll. So when we were carrying out the poll, we were thinking that Together Gibraltar was fielding candidates. I think Nick Calamaro already on GBC hinted it might not be a slate of 10. Uh, when the poll results were issued, I think Together Gibraltar had already taken the decision that they were not standing. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. If this poll had suggested that Together Gibraltar was in the lead, perhaps they would have reconsidered. But the decision by Together Gibraltar, as we understand it, was taken before the poll. Yes. Okay. You, you mentioned there that um, politicians would say that the only poll that counts is the one on the day, though they will um, inevitably be looking at some of the detail in the GBC election poll and trying to see if they need to change anything. I was thinking about it. I think on balance, probably they'll think we don't need to change anything outwardly, but I don't think that anything, anyone should think of the result as dead certain either way. Uh, and hopefully the poll will energize them to think, right, well, we, we need to, we really need to sort of redouble our efforts in this campaign if we want to win it. Um, shall we hear from uh, the leader of the GSD who have uh, narrowly edged, uh, they have a, a slight lead in the GBC election poll. This is what Keith Asopardi had to say about that. Obviously the poll is uh, very important for us and it's very good news for the GSD. We are, according to the GBC poll, ahead of the GSLP Liberals for the first time in 12 years. Uh, but of course, you know, it's always, it's only a poll and no uh, room for complacency. We are not complacent in the GSD and we will carry on working really, really hard, redoubling our efforts as we will uh, during the last few weeks of the campaign to make sure that we try to persuade as many people as possible to back the GSD to deliver the change that Gibraltar needs. The voice of Keith Asobardi, the leader of the GSD, reflecting on an election poll published by GBC this morning, which shows the GSD has a two-point advantage over the alliance, but there are lots of undecideds. And let's hear from Fabian Picardo now, who actually topped the individual poll for politicians that people um, most wanted to be the next chief minister. 
I've been in politics for long enough to know that the only answer that is worth giving to any poll, especially a face-to-face -face poll, is to say that the only poll that matters is the secret ballot held at the time of the general election. The ballot that will be held on the 12th of October is the one that really matters. It's the one that we have to ensure we are getting right as political parties. We persuade people for the 12th of October. And as a lifelong Liverpool fan, I tell you, it's no use uh, being ahead at half-time. The only thing that matters is who's ahead when the match finishes, and that will be in the early hours of the morning of the 13th of October. So initial reactions to the GBC poll from the leader of the GSLP Liberal Alliance, Fabian Picardo, and uh, before him, Keith Asapardi, the leader of the GSD. Any surprises there in, in, in those comments, no, James Nish? I think it's uh, very much what we were expecting. And nonetheless, I think they will be looking at the poll very, very closely, particularly one of the questions on news engagement, uh, where around seven of every ten person uh, surveyed or polled uh, told us that they would follow news about the candidates for the 2023 Gibraltar election either very closely or fairly closely. And that perhaps feeds to that 31% of the people who don't know. Although, interestingly, as our news editor, uh, Christine Vasquez, has been pointing out since this morning, uh, po politics in Gibraltar is sometimes uh, very much led by personalities. We've always known that it's the leaders who mainly carry uh, the party and sometimes maybe a perceived one or two weaker candidates have been carried by another. I think they'll be looking at this question and thinking we need those lineups to be as strong as possible for this election. Can I just very briefly break down, and we will have more time between 7 and 8 on Radio Gibraltar this evening to uh, go into detail. I'm going to be joined by the former uh, news editor of GBC, Stephen Nish, and uh, former MP Marlene Hassan Naong, who will be looking at these statistics with me this evening between 7 and 8. But very briefly, because it's also extremely interesting, when we break down the statistics by district, and we broke that into North District, South Town, Upper Town and West Side, talk about neck and neck. In the North, it's exactly 23.83% for both the GSLP and Liberals. They are neck and neck. In the South and in the Town, the GSD would win, but the GSLP Liberals would take the vote of the Upper Town and of West Side. That's just really, really interesting. And another interesting aspect of the poll is that when we break it down by ages, interestingly, the GSLP Liberals seem to garner more support the older the voter is. They have huge support in the over 60s. They would take 32% of the vote in the over 60s compared with 18.92% of the GSD. And, and the 60 plus is a big demographic. 60 plus is a big demographic and big supporters, according to the poll of the GSLP Liberals. The GSD, more spaced out perhaps, their biggest supporter at the moment seems to be the 40 to 49 year olds and the ones who don't know, the 50 to 59. A lot of statistics to take in. I know we will do our best throughout the day to bring them to you. You know, as best we can, we have more updates on our website, on our social media. But we've been talking about that undecided, that don't know. And that is solid across districts and across age groups. So that's what gives this survey a sort of a scientific backbone. No? The fact that it's sort of, uh, you, you've tried to make it resemble the electorate to the greatest extent possible, uh, polling people across Gibraltar, across age ranges, men and women. Uh, giving and, us yes it, it's always it, all polls are imperfect correct uh, and and you could look at this and poke holes 
but there's a lot of interesting stuff coming from I, it. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff, and as we're saying, the, the leaders of the political parties will tell us that the only poll that matters is the one on election night. I think we can safely say that they were keeping a close eye and waiting anxiously this morning for 8am when GBC was going to publish. Not only the leaders, many of the candidates, uh, many are of the activists, of the party supporters, and the general public. I think when it comes to election, and that's what we're trying to do at GBC, is bring you as much information as possible. There will be a lot over the next three, four weeks. And uh, GBC Radio Gibraltar, GBC Television, and across our online platforms will be digesting the entire campaign so that people come the 12th of October have the best informed decision of how they wish to cast their vote. And we'll be doing those debates and phone-ins soon as well. OK, and in brief, Election Watch... Tell us about your, your new show. 7pm uh, this evening. That comes on the back of the huge success of your Gibraltar today, um, Jonathan. Huge appetite for speech radio at lunchtime. We want to try and see whether, you know, in the evening when we're perhaps a little bit more relaxed, when we're not rushing around, whether we have time to, especially today, unpack over an hour, as I say with Stephen Isha, Marlene Hassan Naong, at 7 on Radio Gibraltar today. And we just have so much more time to look into the detail is it one for the anoraks, for the election anoraks only? I think it's for the general public and I hope people tune in. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. One of the stories that we've been carrying in the past 24 hours or so uh, is uh, that of Alan Askers resigning, um, withdrawing his application as a GSLP a potential candidate for consideration by the GSLP party um, and quitting the GSLP uh, party altogether. Good afternoon, Mr. Askers. You, you were on the executive or you... Good afternoon, Jonathan. Yes, I've been an executive for the last 12 years. I'm working for the party, uh, giving everything I have, committed to the party, to its policy, backing Mr. Jogosano and Fabian Picardo, which was the one who brought me into uh, politics. In Mr. Picardo. Yes, Fabian Picardo, in 2009. And the only thing has been loyal to the party and defending party policy because I'm a socialist and I believe in the GSLP party. But you are quite upset at the way things have happened in, in the past few days. Well, I have to make it clear that I withdrew my application before the candidates were elected. So uh, this is not about the candidates who are elected or sour grape on my part. This is due to the democratic process, which we presume in the GSLP that we have, which was broken. I can say to you that I had a personal meeting with a party leader, where he conveyed to me that he did not want me in his team, and this got me by shock. But not only that, that he would be telling the executive uh, members not to vote for me, which is breaking the democracy of the whole process, and that if I was elected by the executive, that he would be thinking of standing down, and it was either me or him. Surely you must understand that for me that was a pressure because I don't but want you... Fabian Picardo to leave the party. But then he continued that if he stayed within the slate and we win an election with me within that slate, he would not come to me as a minister. He will count, we will have nine ministers and leave me out of all ministries. So you must see that this is a shock to me because the only thing I've done in this party is uh, loyalty and commitment. And I always work for the people of Gibraltar. Did he give you reasons? That is the main upset, that the reason he gave was that he was receiving calls from the public saying that I shouldn't be on the slate and that some members of the executive 
were criticizing me. And my point of view is that if people on SRV do not want me, they have the right to vote against me, but not make a, a propaganda out and, and a showcase of, of not letting me at least present myself to the executive. How does the vote normally work, given that you've been a member of the GSLP executive? How does that vote normally work come election time? Is it is it sort of something that is debated and there are more names? So they like do, do 10 come forward and then seven are selected by the executive? <laughs> See, or? that's it. People are all members are invited to, to attend. They are nominated by a proposer and a seconder. And then the executive committee invites them to, to put the case forward to show what they can do for the party or what they will bring to the party. And then the, the, there's a ballot process, a secret ballot process, which members of the SFD selects the, the candidate, seven. And then it is brought to, like today, is, it goes to the membership, and the membership will second and defend it if they agree or not agree. And I, I actually uh, withdraw my application because the leader of, of the party told me to do so. But then... I continue with all my withdrawal because there's nothing else. If the democracy is broken within the party, like he has done, then I have no but, no room. But why do you say that he has broken dem democracy? I mean, the executive members have their own minds, and they he, he will say, I don't think Alan should be part of this team, but they still have to make their own minds up, no? It's, yeah, well, well, the problem is that no influence should be given by any member to one another. Every candidate should have the chance to portray themselves and say what they do for the party and what they will do for the party. It should be a selective process where everyone has a chance. And I will stop of having that chance. He says it's not personal, and I believe him, to be honest, because I don't know where this has come from. And uh, maybe sometime we will come out that there's a third person involved in all this or not. I don't know. But for me, it was a shock. Because I don't consider Fabian Picardo my like, As in somebody has influenced Fabian Picardo? It must be outside influence. It cannot be anything because I've Not never... Sergio Bosano? No, no, no. Sergio Bosano was influenced by him, by not supporting. Right. And I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. So what, what next for, for you and what next for the GSLP <laughs> from your perspective? Well, uh, I already left the GSLP. Uh, I still believe in socialist policy, policy, uh, policy sorry. And what next for me? Well, I've seen in the poll, and I'm not sure if that's correct, that 60% of the voters will vote for an independent candidate. W would consider, consider voting for well, an independent candidate. Consider is a big word, and I think that maybe I will have to think if I can be another uh, candidate or uh, independent candidate. Uh, an independent the, socialist an independent candidate. For the people in order to decide. But I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, I'm sure that you'll tell us as soon as you've made your mind up. Yes. Thank you, Alan Askers, <laughs> for joining us this afternoon live at Broadcasting House and um, uh, telling us a little bit about the past few days from your perspective. We exclusively revealed a short while ago that Together Gibraltar will not contest the general election. It's a decision that means it is a two-horse race and interim leader Nick Calamaro uh, has explained his thinking to us and here he is now. 
So this is something we've been deliberating for quite a while now, well, since Marlene's um, decision not to stand, to be honest. And it's a sad decision that we've had to make not because we know that people are clamouring for more choices. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge the lack of traction we've had and the lack of time we've had to really get a team together and invest in them in the way that we'd like. So for Together Gibraltar, our plans haven't changed. We've always had the plan, um, again, since Marlene announced that we definitely want to keep the party going. And we think that Gibraltar desperately needs that kind of extra voice that brings politics to the masses, lets ordinary people get involved and gives them a chance to make a difference. So that's what we're fundamentally committed to now, is building our grassroots, kind of strengthening our membership, and also giving the people we already have within our party the experience, the exposure and the training they need so that in four years' time they can absolutely give it their all and present themselves as a viable option for the next government of Gibraltar. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. What measures should be taken to ensure patients receive the best care possible, the best health care possible? Wednesday, we'll see the Health Authority mark World Patient Safety Day with an event at the Piazza, and I'm joined now by the Head of Clinical Governance, Vicky O'Neill, by Complaints Manager, Daniel Romero, and by PALS Manager, Jaiza Sheriff. And uh, PALS is Patient Advisory... Patient Advocate Liaison Service. Patient ad- Advocate ad- Liaison Service. There you go. Okay. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, so uh, how important is uh, World Patient Safety Day? It's extremely important. Um, what World Patient Safety Day does is they look at themes throughout the year and decide what we should celebrate or we should develop. And this year, everything is based on patient experience. So what they're asking health authorities to do is to look at what do you do for patient experience and how do you capture all of that feedback to ensure that everything you're doing is to the best of the possible standard. So what we're doing is we're looking at how we empower our patients and how we give them a voice to actually tell us what they think about their healthcare and how they can be involved in developing it and making it better. And it's not all about what we think. We think we do a good job and most of the time we can absolutely say we do. But the whole point of Well Patient Safety Day is to gain experience and feedback from every member that's ever been treated in the Gibraltar Health Authority and to tell us what's good about it, what wasn't great about it and what they think we could do differently. So that's so, where so we're at. Where are you going to be at what time? Where are we going to be, Jaisa, in the so piazza? We're, we're going to be at the piazza. We're there from 10am to 4pm. 4 um, basically what we want is we want as many people to come down and join us and ask questions, uh, give us their feedback. Um, I'd, I'd like to add to that as well that we've been very lucky that we've had a lot of interest coming from all of like the... Um, um, charities and support groups that we have around Gibraltar and they've decided to join us. So it's not only the, oh, the Gibraltar Health Authority, we have the rest of the community coming down and um, showing their support and um, trying to showcase what it is that they can do for the community, that they're available, giving information on how they can be contacted and and that's going to be really, really good because even even for myself that works in the GHA, I never realised that we had so many support groups around the Gibraltar community that, that we can make use of. So that's, and, and that's going to be fantastic. And they have strong relationships with exactly. people who are um, users of Ex- the health authority. Exactly. Um, okay, let's, let's bring in Daniel uh, as um, 
complaints manager. Uh, there are obviously times when people using the service think that you know something should have been done a bit differently, uh, and and I imagine that sometimes it's it's emotional and difficult work. No? It is indeed. I mean, uh, the GHA has a robust pulse and complaint system, which we have, and um, pulse being the filter to our complaints. Um, we we actually uh, investigate all concerns that comes in and obviously we invite obviously obviously the service user when they have a concern to come to us and obviously so that we can address it because there are pathways obviously that can go amiss and and, and that is our responsibility to obviously check on this and obviously to improve for future patients and then the services that we give. Okay and uh, clinical governance Vicky um, can you tell us a little bit about how the health authority carries out that function and why it's so important? It's important because we need to know what we're doing well, but we need to know what we're not doing well. And that might be different for different people. So it's really important that we listen. We have meetings with families all the time and we understand what went wrong for them and what they felt. And then we look into those pathways and we meet with the clinical teams to understand what we can do to change them. Because sometimes we don't get to hear about that. So I think the most important thing for us is we do these investigations, we follow correct processes and we come up with learning from this because there's all learning to be had when somebody says something doesn't work well but I think the most important bit is listening to the families and patients because they give you a whole different story to how we carry out the investigation and it's really good to hear their stories and I think going forward we will be much better when we share these stories live in in our learning days and, and, and continue professional development days and that's something we'll be looking at in the future is to actually have families come in that are willing to share their experiences so that we can actually listen to it firsthand and it's not just my report that's written. Sure, sure. Uh, and Jaisa, as, as somebody who, who's at the Health Authority, uh, on the back of what Vicky said, the the connection with service users is, is vital, not to have time to have those conversations, hear what's working for them, what didn't work and what needs improving. Yes, definitely. So um, I think one of the most important thing is just bouncing off of what Vicky just said. When we get a, um, an inquiry or if it's a complaint, it goes through through Daniel. But when we get an inquiry, um, sometimes even compliments, which is, is also great to hear, the best way to understand what is going on with a patient is by having them come in. We sit down with them, we listen to them and we we... We get a lot from feeling from what the patient is trying to say once they're there rather than a, a, an email or something like Which that. Which can so, be a bit impersonal. Exactly. Right? So we always try to make it personal. If if they do write in an email, we, we call them just to assure them that, that we are dealing with, with their query and hopefully hopefully we can get it fixed within, within our five um, days that we try to sort it out. And if if it if it has to take a little longer, it does. But we we get back to every single person that it's writes. It's more in. important to to do it properly, no? Exactly. But you try and do it quickly as well. Um, do you do you sense that initiatives like this, campaigns that are focusing on patient safety, can make a difference? truly believe that. I think the public need to hear what we're trying to achieve and I think they need to tell us what they think we should be achieving and how. Because often you don't get to hear. People leave the hospital and thankfully they go home to their lives and they don't tend to feed 
give us feedback when we ask for it in the hospital and they go and they get on with their lives and then we don't hear about those good experiences or not so good experiences so I think this is really important to hear their voice now because they've left they're doing well and hopefully they'll have time to share with us what they thought about their treatment pathway that they had when they were in hospital so I think that's really important and I think the other thing that we've done in the GHA is we've got a patient voice group now of volunteers and these people kindly give up their time and they walk around our wards and clinics and they ask patient and relatives about their journey and try and gain feedback live and also there's no bias because we're not involved in that they just feed back to us and say what's good in areas and what needs improving and they've been vital in the way we gain feedback just on a day-to-day basis. I think it's important to mention that the patient voice group are are completely independent so they're they're people that have used our services and either were happy with it or, or not but they're completely independent and they come in and they give their, their own time just to, to get this feedback. Sure. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Colin Pons is uh, in the studio with me. Uh, he is a director here at GBC and uh, has been working on a, a programme to celebrate um, 40 years of cancer relief, providing invaluable, invaluable support to patients uh, and it's a special programme to mark the anniversary that you've been working on for quite a long time, Colin. Yes. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon to you. <laughs> yes, yes, it's been a long time coming. Um, I think it was, I had to check my emails, it was February when uh, uh, folks at the Cancer Centre sort of got in touch and we had a preliminary meeting to sort of, you know, have a documentary, uh, you know, it's, it's being their 40th anniversary. And... Um, and yeah, and it's been a, a long road. It's been the longest thing I've produced. It's at two hours. Oh wow! And honestly, it's been a real privilege. Um, you know, being able to to interview people who have had members of their family go through the the support, and also people who are you know who are going through treatment, and also people who like have have come out the other side. It's it's um. It's a big deal, not to state the obvious. Uh, somebody who experiences cancer in their family, th- their lives are, are impacted in a way that is difficult to overstate. It is, you know, and, um, you know, I think one thing which is clear from the documentary is that, you know, like they're so indebted to the work of the Cancer Relief uh, Centre, you know. Um, you know, there's there's nothing but praise for the place and honestly just filming the documentary there, you know, getting... Um, uh, getting to know the people that work there, you know, they're they're all like you know, pretty amazing, pretty amazing people. Yeah, they're selfless, hardworking, always putting the needs of of That's others right. first. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, a two-hour television documentary. Um, uh, given the subject matter, it's going to be emotional. Huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, um, whilst filming any project you know you try to sort of balance um you know talking and you know having a more visual aspect to the program you know you try to have a bit of action and a bit of talking to keep the program colorful and interesting and there was a point like a, about three or four months ago i was thinking oh this is a lot of talking you know because you know what are you going to show really there's n- sure. you know and um but you know it's so sort of engrossing and sort of captivating what they're saying and it's so sincere that really you know like it's 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 been a it, it really is i'm not going to say entertaining but you know it's engaging it's, it's engaging yeah. very engaging yes uh, I, I mean we we often say uh, in in television that um, there's nothing more interesting than a face and a voice yeah anyway no if mm. somebody is opening up and sharing their story with you 
then you know uh, yeah. as you say that 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 is powerful and and and, yeah. and this topic uh, mm. if people are opening up and and sharing um you know their thoughts and emotions mm. on on how cancer relief mm. uh the charity the center has helped them through mm. the hardest of days mm. then i'm sure it's going to be nothing but compelling viewing um okay so tonight 9 p.m. that's right on gbc television and um and and final word then on on some of the one or two of the individuals that you've interviewed colin uh well we've 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 interviewed a whole range of people we've interviewed staff uh we've interviewed some people that were more involved maybe in the past as uh, trustees we have interviewed people who are bereaved people who are going through treatment some people who are palliative um and uh, some people who have sort of come through to the side, no, who are in the living with and beyond cancer groups. Amazing and important, yeah, positive. Exactly, and you know, to celebrate. You, and and of course, you know, like everyone, what you mentioned before, you know, I think the fact that everyone is sort of open to talk about it, I think that is also some of the um, influence of the of the center. You know what I mean? The way that they sort of talk sure. and engage about it. You know what I mean? They've sort of like trying what that's one of the topics in the in the documentary actually you know i mean like like you know what the word cancer you know what i mean let's like, talk you know, about it let's, let's talk about it let's get it out in the, the open taboo. you know the c word let's call it what it is you know and and you know colin pons director and producer thank you so much for joining us thanks for listening to those highlights from gibraltar today i'm kelly m borge the show's producer we're live on radio gibraltar monday to friday from one to two getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.